dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Call now with your question, 224-585-WSFI. That's 224-585-9734. Hello, and welcome to Healing the Whole Person. We bring you bring to you today one of our regular hosts, one of our beloved priests, Father Michael Sparrow, S.J. Many of you know him, and if you don't, you he is a retreat director and a spiritual director at the Bellarmine Jesuit Retreat House in Barrington. Uh, Father holds an MFA from the Yale School of Drama and a Doctor of Ministry from St. Mary of the Lake in Mundelein. He is the founder of Caris, a national Jesuit retreat ministry for young adults in their 20s and 30s and has trained spiritual directors at Loyola University in Chicago. Um, Father is seen regularly on Shalom World Catholic Television and is heard regularly on WKRC Radio in Cincinnati and WSFI Catholic Radio in Greater greater Chicagoland. Uh, Father's website is heartoheart.org. And you're going to find wonderful things if you go to his website, heartoheart.org. So, Father, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joan. It's always a delight to be here with you. Always. always. Um, Today, Father, your topic, I understand, is the healing power of the Eucharist. It is indeed. And uh, today will be the first of several programs that you and I will be doing because... uh, Joan, you didn't mention in the introduction that uh, this is a topic so near and dear to your own heart. And matter of fact, you've done uh, several PowerPoint presentations on this and have written a uh, quite a thick volume on this as well. So you and I will be uh, sharing some reflections, not only in this program, but in some future programs excellent, as well. Excellent. I, I, I so love the Eucharist and thank you for saying that. So this is a joy for me. So... Um, Father, how would you like to begin? Uh, my thought was to begin with the, the faith of the people that when Jesus healed, um, he always praised people who had faith. And today it strikes me that there's such a lacking of faith, in the, in the, particularly in the Eucharist. Um, but all the, all, Jesus always healed and he always praised the people for their faith. Great is your faith. You're, you have, it, it saves you. It, you. You have been saved through faith. So, Father, let's connect the dots and see what's happening here. When he taught about the Eucharist, about this is my, my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. And people, who can, who can believe this? And they walked away and people are walking away today. So let's talk about the Eucharist, Father, and try to inspire our listeners, you know, to, to hang on to their faith and to go out and share it with others about Jesus is really present in the Eucharist. Yes. So, Joan, the passage that you were just referring to there is, of course, John chapter 6. Yes. And there are some of the strongest statements about the real presence of Jesus within the Eucharist in that chapter of John's Gospel. Jesus said, For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, unless you eat my body and drink 
my blood. blood. You will not have life within you. And, of course, what is so astounding about that passage is Jesus doesn't offer any explanation. He just asks his disciples, and he's speaking to his disciples, not to the crowds, take this on faith. And there's no way that the people could understand that. Now, wouldn't it be nice if Jesus interrupted and he said, now, wait a minute. Over a thousand (laughs) years from now, there's going to be a brilliant theologian (laughs) by the name of Thomas Aquinas, and Mm -hmm. he's going to explain the difference between substance and accidents. Mm -hmm. And the substance is going to be changed, but the accidents, the outward appearance of the bread and wine is going to remain the same. Mm -hmm. So it's not cannibalism. Relax, folks. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to gnaw on this body that you see right here. Mm -hmm. It's a mystical transformation. But Jesus doesn't, my point is, Jesus doesn't say that. He just says, I want you to take this on faith. Trust me. There's something here that you can't understand. And matter of fact, we're never fully going to understand. And through the centuries, the the best minds of the Christian church, the best minds of the Catholic church, and every culture has come up with theological, our best theological, philosophical understandings of what's going on. Mm -hmm. But let's begin at the beginning by saying we're never fully going to comprehend this mystery because right from the very beginning when Jesus is foreshadowing that, he -hmm. says, I want you to trust me here. And as you just alluded in your opening remark, it split his disciples. Some said, this is hard. Who can believe this? And many walked away from him. And that's the case today. There have been these surveys among Catholics who are going to church. Do you believe in the real presence of the Eucharist? And an astounding number come back in those surveys and saying, nah, it's Mm -hmm. it's just a symbol. Which is what many of the Protestant churches, especially what they call the low Protestant, low theology, uh, doesn't mean a lesser church. It just means that it's a less mystical theology. Our Eucharist would be, our understanding of Eucharist would be most similar to what the Anglican Church or the Episcopal Church would would hold in common. Our theologies are virtually identical there. But you go down to the Baptist churches or the Pentecostal churches, they would be very clear in terms of saying, no, it's not a sacrament, it's not really the body and blood of Jesus, it's a symbol. Which is so ironic because in so many of the Bible churches, yes. they say, you, you take this Bible literally, you know, <laughs> here it is, you know, it's real clear. Uh-huh. Except <laughs> when you get to statements like, eat my body and drink yes. my blood. No, well, well, you don't take that literally, that's just symbolic. Well, the Catholic Church does take those statements quite literally. Uh, and just as the early Christian community is split so so are, we. Are, so are we today, sadly. When I was researching uh, for the big book with the art in it, um, where there was a scripture scholar, I think it was Father Emminghaus, I think that was his name. When Jesus said in Aramaic, this is my body, this is my blood at the Last Supper, in Aramaic there is no uh, verb to be. So he, he, what he did say was, this my body this my blood it's not is or anything or it's going to become it's just this my body this my blood and that struck me because he 
he just this is his body and this is his blood and he didn't even need the word is this body this blood yes so yes. it's very clear yes what jesus taught now if we could just believe it and there's been an unbroken tradition within the catholic church for two thousand years of understanding those words mystically to refer to a real transformation of the ele of the elements um, and that's you know if you go back and you research the fathers of the church and their writings they're they're quite clear that uh, this is not just a symbol of Jesus's presence this is his presence abiding within us yes and there's no explanation I mean John chapter 6 would make no sense of, of this split in the early Christian community right. if Jesus were trying to dumb it down. Right, that's right. He, he's not trying to dumb it down. If anything, the words he uses in the Greek are gnaw on my body. Mm -hmm. he, you know, it's mm -hmm. it, it's uh, that physical act of, of eating. Jesus intensifies the, the controversy. He doesn't, he doesn't lessen it because he wants, he's... We're just going back to this point. He's asking us to take on faith something that we'll never fully understand, but we can absorb the effects of that and feel the transforming power that when we believe what Jesus says, yes. what, what in the original Aramaic that he would have spoken to his apostles, when we believe those words and we take those into our hearts, that transforms us. It heals us. Yes. You know, I did read somewhere that there's a word in, the word for, um, let, me, let me look it up to be correct, but there's a word for heal in the, uh, is it Aramaic or Greek? It's sozo. And it means to heal, but it also means to save. Mm -hmm. So the healing and the saving are like intertwined in the Greek language. As is... Uh, in Jesus's miracles, he's not interested in simply healing people's bodies for the sake of healing bodies. John calls them signs in his yes, gospels, yes. and the signs point to the deeper faith. Because what Jesus is interested in is not a temporary fix, yes. which is healing the body. He's interested in an eternal yes, healing, yes, yes. which is to to live for us to live with him forever in the joy of heaven. And faith is what allows us uh, to live our lives in that deeper union with him. So all through scripture, Jesus, I love Jesus' reactions to people like the centurion who said, Lord, um, I am not worthy that to come under your roof. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. His servant was two kilometers away or something. And Jesus replied to him, I have not found so much faith in all of Israel as this faith, the faith of this man. Yes. He loved his faith. So imagine how he loves our, the faith of people who believe in him. It must be great joy for Jesus. Absolutely. And what is so amazing about that particular story is that he was a Roman centurion. He wasn't part of the chosen people. He yeah. wasn't a Jew, nor was he part of the inner inner elite of Jesus' disciples. But he, he had heard about what Jesus had done. Presumably, he had even seen 
Jesus' miracles, and he placed his trust in the Lord. And the Lord rewarded him as a result of that. Another uh, passage on faith is one of my favorites is the epileptic boy. And when Jesus healed, the, the father said, if you can, if you could, could you help us? If you could. And Jesus said, if I can, everything is possible to one who has faith and be healed. And the boy stopped, was cured of his epilepsy on the spot. But you skipped one of the parts oh, of he the said, story. do you believe that I can do this? Yes. And the father's response was, Lord, I believe, help my, my unbelief. unbelief. Help my unbelief. I think that's yeah. a prayer for us all. I Be- do too. Because all of us, you know, there's a spectrum. It's w- between belief and unbelief. We're, none of us are 100% believers right. in the midst of great suffering right, right, in our lives. Right. Our faith is tested, and, men, and the strongest among us sometimes waffle. And yeah. so to be able to echo that prayer, Lord, I do believe, but I also I have yeah. clay feet. Yeah. There are times when I, when I struggle. So, Jesus, unbelief. another thing that Jesus says that I love is, believe that you already have it and it will be yours. Yes. I just love that. If we only would just believe, then we will have it. St. Ignatius uh, taught us the power of imagination. And there's a lot of very interesting scientific research that's being done on the healing power of the mind yes. and the being able to visualize yes. that, that healing power. Athletes use it all the time yes, yes. in terms of imagining themselves yes. uh, running the finish uh, crossing the finish line as the winner or or um uh, getting a, getting in the water or going down the ski slope whatever imagining you're you're doing your perfect run well if that works for athletics yes to win a gold medal how much more yes. can we picture before us you know the lord's life giving grace coming into our bodies at any time but especially to take some quiet time when we receive Holy Communion, um, offering ourselves up at, at the offertory at Mass, joining our lives, our joys, our sorrows, to those elements of bread and wine. Because that's, um, that's part of the way that I think we can access and take into our consciousness the gift that is being offered to us is use our memory and our imagination imagination to unite ourselves to what's happening on the altar. That's very beautiful. Um, I studied that a lot because I've had so many illnesses and I learned about the power of visualization and I practiced it, combining it with prayer. And when I was having radiation for breast cancer, for um, for lymphoma in my stomach, um, there was a big cross up on the machine that was going to radiate me. And I, I looked at that cross, and I imagined all the rays of grace coming. Instead of the radiation, it was rays of grace coming and healing me uh, through my veins and through my body. And today I'm cancer-free. I, you know, I, I really believe in that, the power to suggest, because you know what? We can trick our body into thinking that what we're imagining is actually happening. Yes. That's a, that's a fact. So our cells react accordingly. If we think healing, if we think um, happy, I, if we think, heal, you know. Yeah, if I could offer just one slight 
uh, reinterpretation. Instead of saying trick our body, right. <laughs> encourage our, our, our body, you know, okay. nudge our body all right, in, all right. in, that, in that direction. Okay, all right. If we can influence our body, body yes. yes, that's a yes. better word. <laughs> but our cells don't know the difference. If we yes. imagine it something positive, they react positively. Yes. So, um, and, and just to tie that into the image of Jesus of mercy, which uh, here in the studio, which our audience can't see, but right behind your head is an icon of divine mercy. And beautiful. those rays in the image of divine mercy are flowing out from Jesus' yes, heart. Yes. There are rays of light, red light yes. and white light. And in some of the, picture, the, the depictions of divine mercy, which is the one that we have at the retreat house, that at Bellarmine Retreat House, where I, I love to pray in front of that icon because the rays don't go into the ground. They, yes, they come they, out from Jesus' heart to whoever is viewing that picture. Yes. And what we're touching on here is when we pray in the Mass to access our imagination, to Beautiful. imagine that Jesus is standing there at the altar yes. as we believe in faith that he is. Yes. That the priest acts, the Latin phrase is in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. So yes. it's not just Michael Sparrow or right. Father John Smith or your favorite priest. That's Jesus up at the altar because what is the Mass but it's the un- bloody sacrifice it's the reenactment of calvary it's jesus giving himself perfectly to his father in this total gift of surrender and that takes place through the words and through the actions of the priest but our faith is that jesus is the one the mass is a reenactment of jesus's sacrifice yeah. and so to imagine that jesus is up there on the altar i've talked to some mystics who have had visions yes. being at Mass, and they've actually seen Jesus standing at the altar. Sometimes the priest's face has been transformed, or sometimes Jesus is standing behind the priest. And I've, I've had, not often, but a number of times, uh, I've had such a powerful experience standing at the altar that the hairs on my arms stood up. I just, oh. I felt the presence of Jesus there. Oh. Or there have been times when I've been overcome and I've been unable to speak. Wow. Just the presence of Jesus becomes so, so real. real. So real. I'll, I'll never forget, I was celebrating Mass at Lourdes one, one time, mm. uh, where the great apparition of the Blessed Mother took place to St. Bernadette. And I was in that chapel leading a pilgrim group over there. Mm -hmm. And the presence of Jesus was so palpable oh. in that chapel. I, I, I had to pause and regain my composure. I literally was speechless. And it, it you know, when the priest just stops in the middle of the Eucharistic prayer, uh, it rivets every everybody's sure, attention, sure. but everyone in that congregation felt what I was feeling in in that moment, of he's really here. Yeah. There's a wonderful story um, of the cure of ours, Saint Saint John Vianney, and he's he stopped in the middle of the mass and he turned to the congregation. And he said, "Can you feel him? He's oh, here. He's here. Oh, Can you feel him?" That's beautiful. 
How beautiful. You know, um, I have a whole chapter um, on saints that have experienced, like yourself, yes. uh, his presence. Um, apparently, uh, St. Dominic, uh, when he was saying Mass, uh, the, the bishop's nephew came to life when he was celebrating Mass for him. He was dead. <laughs> oh <my. laughs> he came to life. Yes. And then St. Colette raised a boy to life after hearing Mass and praying for him. I have lots of stories. Um, St. Malachi released his sister from purgatory by saying Mass for her for 30 days in a row. Amazing, amazing. And she and appeared to him and told him, thank you. <laughs> I, I find those stories so encouraging. And that's, that, that's the gift of studying history and learning more about the lives of the saints. Um, because when we go back in history and we learn what a rich... Uh, history we have of the Eucharist, it strengthens our faith. I think it's an antidote to what you were talking about, the fact that so many of our Catholic Christians today don't believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. I Let know. me just add, as a Jesuit, yeah, I, I have to tell a, story, uh, tell a story of St. Ignatius, um, who, had, who was a great mystic, and he experienced tremendous power in the Eucharist. Uh, I don't know that he experienced seeing Jesus, but he felt uh, he had the gift of tears, and he felt the tremendous mercy of God when he was celebrating the Eucharist, so much so that he would break down and weep in mm -hmm. the midst of the Mass. It would sometimes take him hours to be able to get through the Mass because he was sobbing, and it, he wasn't a big crier. Mm -hmm. It was that Jesus's mercy touched his heart, yes. and that mercy overwhelmed okay. him. Yes, I've experienced just a smidgen yes. of what Saint Saint Ignatius experienced on a regular basis. Well, thanks be to God. What a grace! Yes. Would that all of our Catholic, all of our p people that go to church could experience just a touch of grace like that, that to be open to it, and change their lives. And, and I think the key is asking for that grace yes. uh, and praying, Lord, I believe, help, help my, my unbelief. unbelief. Well, that's a beautiful note to take a break on. And we will pray for everybody before the show ends that we have a resurgence of faith in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Amen. It's the greatest gift on earth. Amen. This is Sharon Brummer with Catholic Charities, serving people of all faiths in Southeast Wisconsin. We provide human services from adoption and pregnancy support to counseling, outreach services for people in crisis situation, in-home support for older adults. Visit us online at ccmke.org for more information and for a site close to you. That's ccmke.org. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? 
If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Hi, Bonnie Quirk here. I'm the grandmother of 11 kids and the mother of seven. Catholic Radio is absolutely essential to spread the faith. We have to have it, and we have to have it right, and WSFI has it right. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Welcome back. I hope you're tuned in to hear Father Michael Sparrow uh, expound on his love of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. And um, we were talking about his real presence and how the saints have been blessed with, um, with a real sense of, of him being there. His mercy just overwhelms them. Um, Father, I could listen to you all day in your stories. Um, I have a story about um, a theologian wrote about um, a, a little Jewish boy who uh, wouldn't go to school, had tantrums, and the parents took him to this old Jewish rabbi, and all the rabbi did was hold him, and hold him close for a long time. Long story short, the little boy ended up going to school, and he went on to become a famous rabbi. But this theologian says that it's the same with the Eucharist. That's what happens in the Eucharist. Jesus holds us in a very intimate way where we we are we are like on his lap, as it were. And what this theologian says is Jesus went beyond words to the most ancient and primal ritual of all, the ritual of physical embrace. He gave us the Eucharist, his physical embrace, his kiss a ritual within which he holds us to his heart. And isn't that what you were talking about when he holds us to his heart? That's exactly, he's really there. And that's what you feel sometimes or sense and that what these saints sense. And we pray that our listeners will begin to sense his, his being there for them. Yes, one of the things uh, I sometimes do at Mass right after Communion where we take a few moments of silence is invite the congregation to place their hands crisscross in the center of their chest over their heart um, and then lead just a short meditation uh, to the effect that when we eat physical food it becomes part of our bodies it's absorbed into us mm -hmm. the difference with the Eucharist we take Jesus into us, but the Eucharist transforms us into what we receive. Mm -hmm. We become transformed into the body of Christ. And it 
breaks down our selfishness. It breaks down our lack of mm. our lack of faith. Um, I would just encourage our listeners: next time you go to mass and you receive Holy Communion, crisscross your hands, put it in the center of your of your heart, close mm-hmm. your eyes, and focus on your heartbeat, and imagine that the heart of Jesus is now joining himself to to ourselves, his heart to our heart. His blood is commingling with our blood, and we are being transformed into his body. The, uh, as I often think when uh, when I'm giving Holy Communion and I look at a person and say the body of Christ, it's really... Uh, asking for a double affirmation with that amen. Do you believe that this wafer yes. of bread has been transformed yes. into the into the body of Christ? Amen. Yes. Do you believe that you are being transformed into the body of Christ, yes. as St. Yes. Paul says? Yes. It's a double affirmation. And sometimes it's easier for people to believe that the bread can be transformed than it is for us to, to be, be transformed yes. in, into the body of Christ. Yes. You know, I love art, and there's a paint. There's paintings in the Vatican of a Eucharistic miracle that happened where the host turned to flesh, and it's by Raphael, the great Italian painter. Yes. And, um, and you've written a whole book on Eucharistic well, miracles, have I, I, I took readers with me to Italy where we, we saw the, a lot of Eucharistic miracles. Um, but the, the but all in the research I've done, I love the Eucharistic miracles, of course. But I also love things like seeing a picture, a painting of Saint Thomas Aquinas, who was kneeling after he had written this treatise on the Eucharist for from yes. for the Sor- people at the Sorbonne, some professors who who doubted and didn't believe. And he wrote such an eloquent defense of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. He was kneeling in church one day, and I have a, a art picture of it here and Jesus came off the cross he was kneeling in front of a cruise, and Jesus said thou has written well of the sacrament of my body yes. what do you want and with that the other friars who were kneeling in the chapel with him saw him levitate he was lifted off the predio and up in the air a bit you know, but Jesus really spoke to him and was so happy with his presentation on the Eucharist Yes, I love that story and then the sequel to that story is Thomas stopped writing because he said his experience of Jesus's love and the illumination that came into his mind and heart in that mystical moment was so profound mm-hmm. that he realized it was beyond his ability to be able to articulate in words, saying, I've, I've written in straw or I've written in water. It's like so much straw. Everything yeah. I've written yeah. is like so much straw. Here, here we have the great, arguably the greatest... Catholic theologian who has written more <laughs> profoundly, and Jesus yes. himself says, you have written well, yes. Thomas, yes. but compared to the reality of what we are experiencing, our minds just don't have the capacity to be able to fully comprehend. Even a genius, like genius theologian like Thomas Aquinas, right. cannot begin to articulate no. the gift that Jesus is giving us. It circles back to the beginning of the program of Jesus saying, you're not going to be able to understand this. Yes. And I'm not going to even try to explain it to you. Right. 
Can you accept it? Can you believe it? And that's very difficult for our 21st century minds. We, I'll accept it if I understand it. Sure. You, you lay it out, and then sure. I'll decide whether I want to believe it or not. Jesus says, eh, it doesn't work that way. So perhaps that's why he praises childhood and, and the faith of a child. There's a beautiful story. It was on EWTN. Father Mitch was interviewing Sister Breege McKenna, mm-hmm. and I'll make it real short. She told the story of being in Ireland and this little sick boy who had kidney problems, had one kidney removed. The grandmother said, now when Jesus, when the priest comes off the altar and is holding the monstrance with Jesus in it, the white host, he's going he's, he's gonna to bless you. Ask him to, to help you because he's really coming to help you, to heal you. And so when he came, when the father came off the altar when holding the monstrance, the little boy ran out into the aisle and said, Jesus, will you help me? Will you heal me? I'm sick. My grandmother says you'll help me. And he said it out loud. And yes. many people were crying and so forth. Yes. And then long story short, um, the grandmother took the child and went away. Um, much like... Two or three months later, Sister Breege was at another place in Ireland, saw the grandmother who said, by the way, Jesus healed my grandchild. He did not need another. His other kidney became perfect. He didn't need another operation. But isn't that beautiful, the faith of that child? Yes. As you, as you say, Jesus so often in the scripture holds up that childlike trust and simplicity because children realize they're not going to be able to fully understand it, but, right. they, but they take it on faith. Yes, and if only we could. If, if only, only we, we could. could. Yes. Breeze, Sister Breege McKenna has so many stories in all her books about, you know, if, if you just, when you go to communion, just remember, just, all, just only think about, I am about to go before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and just, just have the faith in Him and approach Him as Lord and as God and just welcome him and love him. And many people have been healed that way. Yes. And to circle back to something we talked about earlier in the program, imagine Jesus embracing you at that moment. Um, Imagine Jesus placing his hand on your cheek. Um, Imagine rays, those rays of light flowing as they're depicted in the divine mercy, that we're being bathed in that red light of Eucharist, the white light of baptism. Jesus gives us those images. We're meant to gaze on those. They're meant to affect our imagination. We're meant to take those in and realize uh, this isn't simply art for the sake of art. This is, these are transforming images that work on our sub- subconscious and help us access something that is beyond our ability to fully articulate or comprehend. And we know the power, as you said earlier, of the imagination. When we imagine something, we can influence our bodies to believe that it's actually happening. And I think when we imagine Jesus being present to us, how much more then will he be present by us allowing him or inviting him in through our imagination? Yes, and it's not just imagining that Jesus is here. Uh, 
because that would suggest that Jesus isn't here. Right, right. Now I see. It's picturing, visualizing what we can't see, but what we believe in faith yes. to be the reality. That's better said. Yes. Yes. Um, I love the story of Emmaus, and when they they broke bread with Jesus, they didn't know he was Jesus until he disappeared. Yes. And they said, um, you know, imagine, how how could we have missed this? He, he, he became present to us in the breaking of the bread. It was so obvious. It, it was His message was so clear. And then they must have said to each other, how could we have missed this? Mm-hmm. You know, he's really here. Yes. I yeah. love that story. And then the other detail that I love about the Emmaus story is then they reflected back on their experience and they remembered that when he was talking to them on the road about the scriptures, uh, their hearts were inflamed. Did yes. not our hearts burn within us as they reflected back on their experience? Yes. So the, I mean, we've been talking a lot about the experience of the Mass of going to communion. Yes. But the Mass is divided into two major parts, the Liturgy right. of the Word and the Liturgy of the Eucharist. Right. And that Emmaus story is a great depiction of both because the opening of the story is Jesus listening to their story and then uniting it to the great story of faith. He opened the scriptures to them about how he had been, uh, how his presence had been prophesied. And that's how, it's the first half of the Mass yeah. is bringing ourselves and our own stories through hearing the scripture, through hearing the homily, through the confession of sin at the beginning of the, of the Mass. It's uh, uniting ourselves with these people of faith who have come before us. Yes. And Jesus is present in a very real way in the community of faith gathered together and proclaiming his word. Uh, there's the, the documents of the church talk about the altar of God's word and the altar yeah. of the Eucharist or the altar of sacrifice. Yeah. Two different ways that Jesus comes to us in, in the Mass through hearing and then through receiving. Yes, yes. Um, it's such a, a sacred time. I, I, and lately, because of, I lost my husband, at communion uh, sometimes I think now, Lord, I know you're here, but if my husband could be here too, <laughs> could, you, could you make that happen? And I just wonder sometimes, do you think that's possible for to invite my husband into this presence where Jesus is to be with me? So, uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. let me tell you a little story about that. My, when my mom died uh, four and a half years ago, this was uh, one of my brothers came up, came up with this thought. So we talk about uh, the body of Christ uh, as both the Eucharist, but this communion of believers yeah. as the body of Christ is an image that St. Paul develops in, in his letters. And we talk about the body of Christ here on earth, but we also talk about the mystical body of Christ, which is this, the letter to the Hebrews calls it a great cloud of witnesses. witnesses yes. Okay, so there's the body of Christ in heaven, and what is heaven but this communion of saints, saints who are joined to the body of Christ, Jesus. So when we're receiving Jesus, right. we're receiving not only 
the historical Jesus who lived 2,000 yes. years ago. We're receiving the Lord, of, the Lord of history, the mystical Christ, and we're entering into communion with the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ that includes all of the saints. So the Blessed Mother is united to this body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Your husband... Uh, if he's in heaven, which yeah. we, we believe he yes. is, is united, he becomes part of this body of Christ. And so my brother said, and this was a tremendous source of comfort for us, that when we, every time we were receiving communion, we were being, we were united with the body of Christ that included my mom, included my dad, included the Blessed Mother, and included all of this communion of saints are united with Jesus in this body of Christ. So when we're united with, uh, in this holy act of communion, we're united with all our loved ones who are united with Jesus. That's a tremendous source of comfort. It's incredible to me that you're just telling me this because I've been thinking this and hoping this. And I should know this theologically, and yet somehow I wasn't entirely sure. I absolutely believe, yeah. absolutely believe that. Because what is, what is heaven? Is it like, you know, every, every, in heaven we become part, St. Paul says this, this mm -hmm. is not some new age doctrine, this is not some wild, mm -hmm. wild idea. St. Paul says, you know, we are the body of Christ the church militant here on earth, mm -hmm. we become part of the church triumphant, part yeah. of this mystical body of Christ. Yeah. We, we are joined to, to Jesus. And in heaven, until the fullness of the resurrection, we don't have bodies. And so our spirits are united to the spirit of Christ. Now, he has his glorified body, and the Blessed Mother has his glorified body. We become part of this mystical body of Christ, united with him. It's just powerfully beautiful. It's so beautiful and meaningful. It, it's transformative. If we, if we really believe this, mm -hmm. it, it transforms our lives. Mm -hmm. It heals us. Even if we, sometimes we're going to be healed physically. Yes. But like that little boy, yes, because he believed it with yes, that childlike yes, simplicity, yes. and you could just see Jesus nodding and winking and saying, "Let it be done to yes, you," because of yes. your great faith. Yes, but, but and sometimes um, the Lord answers our prayers by giving us the strength to be able to endure tremendous physical suffering. Yeah. So um, I referred to Lords earlier. Bernadette said, the healing waters of, Bern of Lourdes are not for me. Yes. But she had sufficient faith, even in the midst of physical suffering right. and emotional abuse that yes. she suffered from her novice master, yes. who was very hard on her, who was very jealous of her, mm -hmm. who misread Bernadette's heart. Yes. Jesus gave her, because of her great faith, gave her the ability to be able to allow that, that suffering to transform her and unite her even more closely with Jesus. Beautiful. To believe that whether we get a physical healing or an emotional healing or a spiritual healing, Jesus is giving us what we need to ultimately be transformed into the saints he, want us to be, he wants us to be. I love hearing that. <clears throat> My little granddaughter, she's 14, and she, she's in the hospital now, and a lot of suffering, you know. 
her young life, but yeah. she has a, she has faith, and I just pray that she's getting stronger in her faith, and you know, learning to to walk the way of the cross. And yeah. God is blessing her, and will strengthen her in this task. And sometimes, sometimes we say, you know, if only I could have a mystical experience, then I would believe. Right. And that doesn't always hold water. There's a story of. Uh, Our Lady's apparition at La, in La Salette, oh, France. Yes, yes. And one of the visionaries there uh, was a young boy who was who did he became a professional talker about his visions, and he became rather egotistical, and he did not live a grace-filled life. Uh-huh. And the curie of ours, Saint John Vianney. Uh, interviewed this young man when they were trying to decide whether the apparitions at La Salette were authentic or not. And the Curie of Ars didn't believe that the apparitions at La Salette were real because they didn't transform this young man's life. Wow. Now, later, the bishops in the interviewing did um, uh, authenticate that the apparitions at La Salette were, were real. They overruled Rule, a saint, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. now at La Salette, there's a great, beautiful shrine there, uh, and there's one up in Wisconsin yes. uh, to, to, in commemoration of those apparitions. But what I, what I love about that story is that sometimes we say, you know, if only I had a mystical experience, if I saw Jesus, if I saw the mm-hmm. Blessed Mother, then I would believe, then I would be transformed. No, not necessarily so. It's our faith right. in the experience of Jesus' true presence in the Eucharist. That's what transforms us. Yes. And I... Seeing with the eyes of our hearts rather than just our physical eyes. And this novena that's been going around the the prayer of surrender by Father uh, Dolindo, an Italian priest in his eighties. Jesus gave him the novena, and um, the whole there's nine days, but Jesus dictated the whole novena to him. But the bottom line of the whole thing is to Jesus, I surrender to you, and then the final thing is Jesus, you take care of it. Yes. You take care of it. And if we can pray that prayer with our heart, Jesus, you take care of it and let it go, then we will see miracles. Then he can act. But he can't act if we, like, figure it all out. How it, how could this be done? And if she does this and, you know. So, Jesus, you take care of it. I just love that. It's so simple. It's so simple and so profound. Yes. Yeah. And again, to circle back to something we talked about where we began the program in John chapter 6. Jesus turned to Peter and the other disciples and said, Will you also leave us? And Peter so wisely said, Lord, to whom whom shall shall we we go? go? You have the words of everlasting life. So true. Peter didn't understand Jesus at that moment, but he made that great act of faith. Yes, he did. And so now um, we're going to just pause for a second here. We have some prayer requests, Father. Yes. Um, uh, David, who works here, who who volunteers here at the studio, his father, um, we we pray for work for his father. And um, Raffaella, um, a daughter of Mary Fratesi, has been quite ill. And would you pray for her? And then um, my my little granddaughter, Ellie, she's 14 with cystic fibrosis, and she's in the hospital. And she's been hospitalized a fair amount, but I ask for prayers for her. 
Yes. And, and any listeners who are out there who have prayer requests, Father will pray for all of you. Lord Jesus Christ, through the healing power of your Eucharist, we lift up David's father and Raphaela. We lift up Ellie. We lift up Zulma, who has asked for, for prayers. For all those who are listening to this program live or through the podcast, through the healing power of your Eucharist, through the strength of their faith, may you grant them the healing that would allow them to continue to grow closer to you, to become the holy ones you want them to be. Bless them, Lord, heal them, strengthen them, love them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You have been listening to Healing the Whole Person on WSFI. 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.